This is the Sunday morning message broadcast from Church of God Holiness in El Dorado Springs. Father, we just uh, pray that as we open your word today and we talk about new, the word new, that you would just settle down on us and uh, do something new today, something new for us. Thank you for your word, and thank you for the way that you're going to just help us as we, as we uh, talk about your word that's inspired, your word that's truth, your word that's light, that your word that's life. Thank you, in Jesus' name, amen. Every year about now and uh, probably even more so this particular year, we, we, we hear and we say the word new more than we typically do at other times of the year. Um, you know, it's already been said many times, we refer to the new year or new resolutions. Some of us, after all of the baked goodies that we have consumed in, in massive amounts, we're talking about a new diet. Or, or wondering, you know, about the new administration. <laughs> Will it take place or not? Uh, we're hearing about the new vaccine, the new stimulus package. Our, our conversations are also including discussing the new strains of COVID coming out of Europe. When, when will it hit us? And, and then, of course, the phrase that dominated Last year was the phrase, the new normal. Today we're going to look at a scripture that uh, also uses the word new, but in a sense this is a scripture that troubles me. Um, in, in fact, it's troubled me for quite some time. Um, and, and incidentally, this scripture I think would be one of the top ten quoted scriptures in all of the Bible. You know, there are several go-to scriptures that we pull out of our back pocket depending on the situation. And, and, and sometimes we use scripture as a means of encouragement. You know, we're, we're trying to lift people up. But at other times we use scripture as a weapon, as a club. Um, but probably the number one quoted scripture, I'm kind of off topic here, would be, you know, take a little wine for the stomach's sake and... People try to justify their alcohol intake with this scripture, which, which I'm sorry, is really lame. Uh, this scripture is giving medicinal suggestion, a medicinal suggestion to Timothy who struggled with stomach issues. This was not a scripture opening the door for the recreational consumption of alcohol, just, just saying. Another scripture that, that husbands frequently use, uh, this is not a, an encouragement, but this is a weapon, is the scripture, wives, submit to your husbands. To which wives will shoot back, husbands love your wives as Christ loved the church. And then there's the scripture of I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me, which has absolutely nothing to do with, well, reach for the stars, you know. You can do whatever you set your mind to. That's the way we use it a lot. The context of this scripture was, Paul was saying, I've lived through times of plenty where I've had enough to eat. I've lived through times of scarce, scarcity where food was hard to, come, hard to come by, but with God's help, I can handle all of these situations. That's the context. But, but anyway, t- today's scripture is also very familiar, and, and we will read it in a moment, but basically just summarizing the scripture, it says that if any person, if any man, woman, 
boy, girl is in Christ, they are a new creation and old things pass away. You, you say, Trussell, what's troubling about that? Well, this is what bothers me. Why is it that sometimes I, and, 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 and I would never consider myself a, a, a super saint, I, I try to maintain a consistent walk with God, but, but I haven't arrived, and I'm certainly not a super saint. Now, some of you, I believe, are. Some of you aren't. You're like me. <laughs> but, but why is it that in my life and probably in your life, are you listening? Sometimes bad attitudes, questionable actions, less than pure motives, unwholesome talk, they surface and bring into question that as supposed new creatures in Christ, um, you know, that our old sinful life has been done away with, we find that some of the old just kind of dominates. In fact, let me, let me just bring this closer to home so it doesn't go over the top of us. Let me ask a few questions. Do you as a person, do you as a person that has given your heart to Jesus ever say anything that you shouldn't say? And I'm not just referring to bad words. I'm, I, I, I'm, uh, and that's included. But do you ever struggle with being critical of others or maybe talking negatively behind someone's back and saying something that the Bible would call gossip or slander, which, by the way, is sin? Or, or how about this? Do you as someone that considers yourself to be in Christ... Do you ever battle with some addictions or unhealthy habits or lust or maybe even pornography? Here's one that's kind of embarrassing. Do you ever find yourself wishing that something bad would happen to somebody else? Because you don't like them or maybe they hurt you or offended you? If you had to answer yes to any of those or other similar questions that we could have asked then that scripture of becoming new in Christ, all things passing away, probably should trouble you as it has troubled me. So today we're going to talk about this. Aren't you glad you came today? Aren't you glad you tuned in? <laughs> Let's read our scripture, and then that way we can filter everything I say through the scripture. 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 16, 17, again, very familiar. From the NIV, from, so from now on, we regard no one from a worldly point of view, though we once regarded Christ in this way. We do so no longer. Here it is. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a, what's the word? New creation. The old has gone, the new has come. Let me read verse 17 from the New Living Translation. Here's what it says. What this means is that those who become Christians become new persons. They're not the same anymore. Amen. For the old life is gone. A new life has begun. Now, as we spend some time talking about this, first of all, understand what this scripture is not saying. It's not saying that the act of believing in God makes you new. Most of us in this area of the Bible Belt, we believe in God. The, the demons believe in God, and they're certainly not new. 
This verse is, is not saying that just going to church or reading your Bible or, do, do I dare mention this right now? <laughs> or even coming out in support of conservatism, you know, whatever that word means. Here in the Bible Belt, we hear the word conservative a lot, you know, conservative values, conservative doctrinal beliefs, conservative dress, conservative lifestyles, and I'm all for those things. But, but, but sorry to burst your bubble, being conservative doesn't make you new. I've seen a lot of conservative people with horrible attitudes, and their old life dominates them. Their, their values may be right, their, their doctrine may be right, but their old life just seems to kind of rise to the top and get the best of them. The news not very evident. But, but this verse says that those who become followers of Christ, and the original Greek word literally means to take in one's arms and embrace. In Christ, embrace. For them, they become new, and old things pass away. Now, as I spent some time thinking and praying about this, three things came to mind as to perhaps why some of us don't feel or act or look like new creatures. The first is because of our past. You know, there are many people that that carry around a heavy load of baggage from their past, whether it's immorality or pornography or a failed marriage or failed parenting or maybe some past scrapes with the law or trauma from being abused as a child where they feel dirty and unworthy. Many people, for many different reasons, have never been able to accept the fact that when they embrace Christ, they can let those old things go and experience newness. Too many times our past is like a noose around our neck. The second reason that we sometimes don't feel new is because of our hurts. And, you know, I've discovered that most of us, if if we would be completely honest, and and some of us were not, uh, because we like to put on a front, but we would have to admit that we carry around past hurts. Maybe it was a it was a hurt from a cheating spouse or or a hurt from an insensitive friend or a hurt from a person that you go to church with. And then many times the hurts come because we feel like God let us down. Have you ever felt that way before? You know, you, you prayed for something that didn't happen or you lost a, a relative to a tragic circumstance or tried to raise your family the right way, but kids went astray. And so we, we resent God. We feel like God didn't take care of us. He didn't answer our prayer, even though we tried to live the right way. Here's the third reason we don't feel new. Because of our addictions or our unhealthy habits. Now, in the past, if the word addiction were mentioned, we always thought of illegal drugs or alcohol or tobacco, and, and those are addictions. They enslave many people today. But there are also many other addictions. Probably one of the most flying under the radar addiction would be, do I dare mention this one too, <laughs> would be addictions to prescription meds. You know, these are legal medications that good people, church people, pastors, members have become dependent on. And I know of instances where these people have vented on Facebook and lashed out at, you know, our pharmacies, at our doctors, our emergency rooms, because they were told that they could not have them. And, and of course, our health care professionals were simply trying to do what was best for them. And, you know, when that happens, whenever we react in, in, in ungodly ways, it, it hurts our credibility. You know, there are other addictions such as addictions to social media. That's right, Facebook, Instagram. Um, 
addiction to food, other eating disorders, addictions to sports, television. And what's so bad about the matter of addictions is that most of us will deny it. And we, we will say, oh, oh no, I, you know, I, I can control it. I can control my drinking. I, I don't have a problem being addicted to my prescription meds. I don't have a problem with pornography. And, and so here's what we tend to do with our habits and addictions. And, and, and I've used this illustration before, but it fits so well. Those of you that do the vacuuming around your house, um, many times there will be something, maybe a piece of thread, a little fuzzy, and, and you know, the vacuum sweeper just won't pick it up. So you, you, you kind of attack it at a different angle and sometimes take your shoe and try to get it loosened up there. And, and, um, and, and so what, what do we end up doing? Many times we bend over, pick it up, look at it, and if it's a thread or a fuzzy, what do we do? We roll it up, and then what do we do? throw it back down, and, and then we try to vacuum it again. That is what we try to do with our habits and addictions. If it's a struggle with alcohol or, 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 or drugs or eating, the new year rolls around and we make some commitments to do better and, in a sense, pick it up and kind of get control of it, but then something happens and we get stressed and many times we throw it back down and end up having to deal with it again. And we're like the Apostle Paul in Romans chapter 7. The things I want to do, I don't do. And the things I don't want to do, I end up doing. And so because of all of these three things, many times we as people who desperately want to serve God, we find ourselves not feeling nor acting very new. Today, let's look at those three things we mentioned. Our past, our hurts, our addictions, and see the advice that the Bible gives us and if you're a follower of Christ and have truly embraced Christ, embraced Christ, but don't always feel new, then maybe God has something for you today. The first thing I want to tell you is, when it comes to our past, we can be forgiven. This is basic, but we need this reminder regardless of what you have done. And, and you can think of the most despicable sin possible. And you can have a list of sins a mile long. But when it comes to your sin and all of your sin, your, your long list of sins, you can be forgiven. Amen. Ephesians 1.7 says, He is so rich in kindness that He purchased our freedom through the blood of His Son and our sins are, what's the word? Forgiven. If you've made a decision to embrace Jesus, and you've taken the step through His grace and power of turning from your sins, then you should not be haunted by the sins of your past. Amen. Based on the authority of the Bible, Amen. God does not hold those sins against you anymore. Now, of course, the consequences of those past sins may still follow you around. Forgiveness doesn't always erase consequences, but it does erase the punishment and the judgment that should have been ours because of those sins. You know, if you're one that struggles with your past, could you listen just really, really closely? Feelings are not facts. We say, well, this is how I feel. Feelings need to be taken into account, but they are not facts. We put way too much emphasis on feelings. Sometimes ladies don't feel good about themselves, so they go get 
another hairstyle or whatever. Guys don't feel good about themselves, so they go get another wife or whatever. Feelings mess with us a lot. Acting on our feelings can get us into a lot of trouble. And when it comes to our walk with God, it's the same way. Our feelings can mess with us and cause us to live beneath the joy and the freedom that is ours when we are in Christ. Now, let me, let me just clarify something here. If you're still a slave to sin, and, and when I talk about sin, I'm not referring to our human weakness. We'll, we'll always be troubled by that as long as our heart is ticking. Human weakness will play havoc with us. But if you're a slave to sin, and, and as the book of James says, to him who knows to do good and doesn't do it, to him it is sin. If you're continually, habitually, consistently doing things that you know that are wrong, you had better feel guilty. And you better thank God for the guilt you feel. Guilt is your friend. Guilt is your best friend. If you can sin and not be bothered by it, if you can sin and not lose any sleep over it, then you need to, as my dad used to say, you need to start shaking in your boots, brother. Sister, because the Bible talks about a seared conscience, which is not a good place to be in, because at that point, the sensitivity we have towards sin is deadened. So if we're involved in sin, guilt is our friend. Thank God for the guilt you feel. But having said that, if if God has forgiven you and you have turned away from your sins, then regardless of your feelings, you're clean and you're new. Many of you remember the story in Luke chapter 15. We call that the prodigal son, um, the lost son. The son became dissatisfied at home. He didn't like the rules. He didn't like living under dad's authority. So he demanded that his dad give him his portion of the inheritance. And the dad did. I probably wouldn't have, but he did. Scripture says that he takes the money, lives it up, wine, women, and song, and everything else. But the son discovered two things that many people have to learn the hard hard way. Number one, the money always runs out. Um, Regardless of how much it is, I've known some people, and this is true, I've known some people that inherited millions of dollars, I'm talking close to $10 million dollars. But within 15 to 20 years, those people were flat out broke. I I can't imagine going through that type of money. I could go through some of the money. In fact, I thought, what would I do with $10 million? Well, I would probably, first of all, get super loud dual pipes for my pickup. I I know my my goal is really low here. And I've also wanted a Benelli shotgun and uh, maybe go climb another mountain. But but besides that, I, I have pretty much all I need. I I can't imagine going through millions of dollars. And and we don't know how much money the prodigal son went through, but it was a lot. But he learned the money runs out. But the second lesson the prodigal son learned is that some of you have learned this too. There's the morning after. And everything always looks different the morning after. The prodigal son woke up and he was face down in a pig pen living and sleeping and eating with the pigs and all of a sudden it hit him. His father's servants had it way better than he did. He mulled that over for a while and and, and 
you know, one day he hit bottom and he decided, I'm going to go back to dad and beg him just to make me one of my servants, not his son, but just a servant. And so he makes the trek home. And, you know, the, the, the story, my, my favorite part is where the Bible says that while the son was a long ways off, the, the, the father saw him. And it's as if the father were standing at the end of the driveway, looking down the road, wondering, is today, is today the day that my son might come home? And sure enough, try to put yourself in that position. His heart skipped a beat as he got a glimpse of his son. And and I can imagine that he ran full sprint, wrapped his arms around his son and kissed him. And and three things happened. And these three things are true, not just of the son, but they're true of you. When And if you come running to the father, one, the father put a ring on the son's finger. It was a signet ring and, and basically gave the son authority to act on behalf of the father's estate that symbolized power. The second thing is that the father ordered that the fatted calf be killed. Why? Because that which was lost was now found and that communicated value. But there's a third thing and don't miss this. Remember where the son had been? In the pig pen. So what do you think he smelled like? Yeah, don't say it here in church, okay? (laughs) But he reeked. And then what do you think he looked like? Well, he was still probably covered up with you-know-what. And that was a reminder of his rebellion against his father. But, but listen to this. I love this. The father took a robe, and he covered over his son's filth and stench. And guess what? You and I, We're that wayward son or daughter. And some of us still reek. Maybe not of pig smells, but we reek of what we did last week. You know, maybe that bad word or that bad website we went to, or we still reek of the choices we made a month ago or a year ago or 10 years ago. But the Bible says that if you're new in Christ and you've embraced him, And turn from your sins. God covers over your filth and he covers over your stench with a robe of righteousness and you are forgiven. That's good news for a new year and a new you. Paul said it in Romans 8 1, said, There is, therefore, there is now occasional condemnation. (laughs) There is therefore now no condemnation. Not even a little bit, not even one ounce of condemnation for those who are in Christ. So here's the million dollar question. If God doesn't condemn you, why do you condemn you? Why do you condemn yourself? If God doesn't condemn you, you've turned from your sins, you're in Christ, Why do you condemn yourself? Why do you hold on to the past? So when it comes to our past, we can be forgiven. Second basic reminder, when it comes to our hurts, we can be healed. Now this may be a process. Healing is rarely instantaneous. It won't happen overnight. Wounds take time to heal. You know, if you'd look closely at my hands... um, I have some wounds on my hand, especially one right here. It's about three-quarters of an inch long. And uh, we have a, uh, 
a little 10-pound Pomeranian dog named Samson. He's 10 months old, and he loves to play, and, and he's got Samson-like strength when it comes to biting, and, and he plays rough, and of course, I egg him on. I know you can't believe that, but I do. And uh, so I, I have wounds all over my hand, and he will rip my flesh. Some of these wounds, this one right here is probably three to four weeks old, and it's still tender. Um, healing from wounds takes time. And just because you're in Christ, just because you've embraced Christ, doesn't mean that your past wounds will heal overnight. But, but listen, they can heal. Yeah, amen. They can heal. And here's a great verse. If you struggle with past hurts, you need to write this verse down. Isaiah 61.1, the Spirit of the Lord God is upon me because the Lord has anointed me to preach good tidings to the poor. He has sent me to heal the brokenhearted. If you believe that you can never heal from a hurt and you can never heal from an area of brokenness, that's a lie from Satan. If somebody has victimized you, if somebody has hurt you, if somebody has cheated on you, if somebody has betrayed you and you've carried resentment year after year after year, you are falling prey to Satan's strategies. And and again, I'm not saying that you can just snap your finger and be healed instantaneously, but our God, our loving God, wants to come alongside of you and wrap His arms around you and bring healing to your broken heart. And something that really blessed me this past week is that even though we may think that our brokenness and our hurts and our wounds are setbacks, the truth is that they're really set-ups. Because God takes the pain and the hurt and the brokenness, and he uses them to accomplish things that he couldn't accomplish through any other means. You know, the sickness, the tough times at work, the family problems, the disappointment, being the victim, all those can be set up so that God can use us. Look at what Paul says in 2 Corinthians 1.4, he comforts us in all our troubles. Why? So that we can comfort others. You get COVID, why? So you can help others that have been there are there. When others are troubled, we will be able to give them the same comfort God has given us. So why does he comfort us in all of our troubles? So we can comfort others. It's not just a matter of enduring tough times, but God is preparing us so that we can help others. And, and I'm not minimizing the pain and the hurt, but don't forget that setbacks are really set-ups. You know, there's something... Uh, interesting that I see happening in our, our society, and, and, and in some aspects, I think it's really good. Um, some aspects, I think it's really bad. But what's happening is that we're trying to bring out an awareness to the pain of those people who have been victimized in some way, and, you know, part of it we've come to know is, you know, the, uh, the, the Me Too, hashtag Me Too movement, whatever, and, and uh, you know, they were, they were victims maybe of sexual abuse or physical abuse, emotional abuse, verbal abuse, and, or victims of racial discrimination or, or bullying. And, and, and I think it's good that we bring a public awareness to these issues because those things need to stop, and they need to stop now. But the negative aspect in this whole process is that our society is developing a victim mentality, and, and this sometimes leads people to think that they can never rise above it, and so they... Here's what happens. They feel they're entitled to a lifestyle of messed up behavior. And they excuse their current behavior because something 
happened many, many years ago. You know, the truth is that most people have been victimized in some way. Most people have been bullied. I have. You have too. Most people have suffered through some type of discrimination. I know I have. Being raised in another country where I was the definite minority, I know what it's like to have racial slurs thrown my way. People laughing at me as I walk down the street. Most people have suffered through some type of abuse, whether it was sexual or emotional or physical. I did as a child. I've told you about that. Not from my parents or family, but from other people that I trusted in Christian leadership. And the danger is that if we're not careful, then we begin to feel sorry for ourselves and, and we begin to excuse our deviant behavior and say, I can't help it and blame it on our past and, and not make any effort to break free. You know, our, our identity does not have to be defined by those things that happened to us in the past. Our identity is in Jesus Christ. And through Him, not only is there forgiveness of sins, but there's healing from our hurts and brokenness and abuse. And you don't have to just endure it. You don't have to just survive it. But what seems like a setback can be a set up to make you a better person and help change the life of someone else. The last basic reminder, you already know this, is that some of you or maybe those of you that are watching online or listening on the radio you need to listen to this. We can be delivered from the slavery of our addictions and habits. But here's what typically happens. When the pastor preaches about God being able to deliver us from lust and alcohol and substance abuse and bad habits and addictions, we nod our heads and say, amen, brother, pastor, preach it. That's good stuff. But here's what happens to many of us. We, We walk out of the church Even though we said amen, and we know that God has the power, we go right back to being controlled by our habits and addictions. You know, we still light up, we shoot up, or swallow up. We still binge. Sometimes it's food, sometimes it's social media, sometimes it's movie watching, sometimes it's Amazon, or wherever the good deal is. And the very legitimate question that we mentioned early on is, how is it that good church people who intellectually believe that we have become new creatures in Christ and intellectually know that God has the power to make us overcomers, how is it that we can't stop doing, and and we can just kind of fill in the blank, whatever addiction or bad habit we struggle with, how is it that we can't stop Look what God's Word says in Ephesians chapter 4, verse 20 says, But this isn't what you were taught when you learned about about Christ. Since you have heard all about Him and have learned the truth that is in Jesus, listen, verse 22, throw off your evil nature and your former way of life. And and by the way, the, the Greek word throw off, you know what that really carries the implication of throw off with rigor and decisiveness. Make a decision. Throw it off. Be authoritative. So throw off your evil nature and your former way of life, which is rotten. This is you. Was you. Me. Which is rotten through and through 
full of lust and deception. Verse 23, instead, there must be a spiritual renewal of your thoughts and attitudes. You must display a new, we talk about the word new nature, because you're a new person created in God's likeness, righteous, holy, true. Verse 29, don't use foul or abusive language. Don't do it. Let everything you say be good and helpful so that your words will be an encouragement to those who hear them. Verse 31, get rid of all bitterness, rage, anger, harsh words, and slander, as well as all types of malicious behavior. You know what he's saying? Etc. All types of malicious behavior. That's a whole bunch of things to get rid of. God says to throw off the old life with rigor and decisiveness. We don't have to be enslaved to our bad habits and addictions. We can be delivered. And furthermore, we must be delivered. If we're a new creature and if we're a new creation, we must be new. You know, if we're still hanging on to the old, then probably we're not the new creation. Let's, uh, let's try to land the plane here. If you find yourself struggling and not acting new, and by the way, this is not a you thing, okay? Because I, I said, this is me. This has troubled me. So it's not like I'm standing up here as a super saint. I'm, I'm a struggler. But if you find yourself struggling, not acting new, let me give you four practical suggestions, steps. Number one, uh, Humble yourself. Too many of us don't seek help because we're too proud and we don't want anyone to know about our problem. But Colossians 3.9 says, don't lie to each other, for you have stripped off your old sinful nature. Don't, don't try to put on a front. The truth is that probably people already know about your issue. There needs to be a humbling. Secondly, you need to die to yourself. I don't know if you're aware of this, but just uh, a few years ago, I died. I, uh, I really did. This was not a near-death experience that you hear about. This was an actual death experience. And here was the situation. I was a prisoner of your opinion. Um, I was addicted to your approval. I needed your praise. But with God's help, there came a day that I died to it. And even though I still like to please you, and, and I, I just be honest with you, I like to hear those compliments. Good job, Pastor. And, but, but I died to that. And I'm no longer addicted to your approval, but I'm addicted to God's approval. And, and, and until we get desperate enough to die to ourselves, then and only then can God deliver us and heal us and, and bind up our broken hearts. Number three, call it what it is. You know, if you're involved in an addiction, we need to call it that. It's sin. If you carry around a critical attitude, it's sin. If you struggle with unforgiveness, it's sin. We, we, we don't need to try to justify ourselves. Well, say, well, I have so much stress and I need this and, 
yeah, because my past, you know, I, I had such a, a dysfunctional past. My parents were a mess, and, you know, my, my former spouse, and I, I, I'm just scarred, you know. We, um, we, God has the power to take us from our past. And we need to, first of all, call it what it is. And then number four, actively seek deliverance. You know, 1 Thessalonians 5, 24 says, God who calls you is faithful. He will do this. He will do this. This is good news. Who is it that calls us to live a godly life? God does. Amen? And if he calls us to live a godly life, he gives us the power to do that. He gives us the power to be more than a conqueror, to be more than an overcomer. God who calls you is faithful. He will do this. Okay. Make a full circle. Go back to the beginning. What does God's word say? To those who become Christians, they become new persons. They're not the same anymore. For the old life is gone. A new life has begun. So as we wrap things up today. As we talk about new, you know, the new year, the new this and new that. Um, I, I, I've been praying that we, praying for myself too, that I've been praying that we can become new person, persons this year, new creations. I, I've been praying that our old life will just die. You know, by faith, you can be forgiven of your past. By faith, you can be healed from your hurts. By faith, you can be freed from your addictive behavior. And ladies and gentlemen, that is good news for this new year. Let's bow our heads. Father, we just come to you. We, we thank you for this word. Lord, we thank you for this new year. And I think we need a, a, a new year every every 365 days just so that we can kind of say goodbye to tough years like we've had. But God, it, it allows us to kind of refocus a little bit. And so 2021, it allows us to think, okay, what, what, what do I need to change in my family? What what tweaks do I need to make there? You know, what, what do I need to change in my own personal life, my prayer life? And what, what do I need to change as far as my in, involvement in ministry and uh, as far as bad habits and, and, and good habits? What do I need to take on? What do I need to put off? And so, God, I, I, I just pray that we would be new and Lord, I, I know the church gets a black eye because we, we have people that, you know, do stuff that they shouldn't do and, and they still call themselves godly and pretend that they're so, so committed to the Lord, but yet their, their language, their actions, their motives, uh, Lord, it, it doesn't prove that. And I pray that, Lord, we would, uh, we, we would act a little more redeemed this year. And we can't do that really by trying. It's not like turning over a new leaf, but it's receiving a new life. It's, it's, it's being in Christ, embracing, actively embracing, and then with rigor and decisiveness throwing off our old life. So, Lord, I pray that you would help us 
this year that the church would be the church and, and that the church would be alive and that the church would be revived. And Lord, knowing that the church is made up of us, I pray that, Father, we would have a newness in our actions, a newness in our spirit, a newness in our commitment to you. And let us be in Christ. So God, go with us uh, from this place. Uh, thank you for your word that spoke to me this this week. And I pray, Father, that we would just take it and meditate on it and that the Holy Spirit would begin to work in our lives, all of our lives. I pray this in Jesus' name. And all of God's people said, Amen. Happy New Year. You've been listening to the Sunday morning message broadcast from Church of God Holiness in El Dorado Springs. Our messages are archived at www.eldochurch.com or to order compact discs or DVD videos of the messages, call the church at 417-876-2200. Thank you for listening.